Welcome to a podcast with Aaron Schultz. Men's mental health matters. Live life with an outback mind. Thank you so much for joining in. Episode 219 today. Now, uh, look, really interesting um, conversation uh, we're going to have today. Amanda Goff uh, is joining me. Amanda was uh, one of... was Australia's highest paid uh, ex- uh, escort, female escort. So she had a, a great career as a journalist, um, moved out of that, wanted to do something new and just discovered, uh, I suppose, uh, escort work and being able to uh, communicate with men um, through body and mind, I guess, primarily. Now, what I'm really keen to talk to Amanda is, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the times that she was with guys that didn't uh, involve sex, it was basically more to... Uh, have uh, someone to confide in, I guess, primarily, and a lot of high-profile people, um, you know, she um, she was with um, throughout her journey. So uh, we're going to explore that today, uh, primarily, and also look at uh, some of the key things that guys are, you know, sort of discussing. Um, now, it's really interesting. I, uh, I've been running men's circles for a while, and uh, I know when, when guys can come along and they can speak about what's going on in their life, it's such a cleanse, and I think it's something that we need to do more and more. And... Um, you know, there's cheaper ways uh, than go to to go about it than, than 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 taking these sorts of options. You know, so it's going to be an interesting conversation we're going to have today, uh, and why people um, you know choose to uh, to go down this path um, primarily, uh, and uh, yeah, everything in between. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy the chat. Really appreciate your feedback. If you'd like to email me, support at outbackmind.org.au. You'd like to make a donation to help us out and uh, help us do our work i really appreciate it just uh, jump on the website outbackmind.org.au and help us to uh, to do some more work throughout regional australia to support more men uh, certainly going to be a big and interesting year 2023 we want to be able to do as much as we possibly can to be able to help guys uh, throughout uh, regional australia and uh, any support and help would be greatly appreciated g'day amanda Hello, how are you? Very well, very well. Very grateful to Good. have you. Uh, you're joining me now. Now, this podcast primarily uh, was a male-dominated audience uh, or, or, you know, I suppose uh, participants uh, with guests coming on and we've had quite a few women come on over the last uh, last few months and last year and it's, you know, it's a really uh, important topic that we're going to talk about today and, uh, you know, men vulnerability and all that type stuff. But um, I couldn't mm. think of anyone else better qualified than yourself to um, <laughs> to uh, to talk to about this sort of subject, you know, because... Um, Thank you. With, with some of the, I suppose, experience and exposure you've had to, to men from all backgrounds and disciplines and that sort of thing. And uh, mm. I just think, um, yeah, we're going to have a, a nice, uh, nice conversation which will help a lot of people out there. So I'd, I'd like to know a bit about... You, you are originally from England, is that right? Yes, that's right. Uh, I grew up in London and I came to, I was a journalist in London and I came to Australia 20 years ago and I never looked back. So yeah, it's my home now. 
but yeah, London is my London was my first home. Australia is my second home. And did you work with any high profile organisations here in Australia? Yes, I did. I was a journalist in Australia before I became Samantha. So I worked for. Uh, most of the organisation, media organisations here. I worked for magazines, I worked for newspapers, I worked for TV. Um, yeah, look, I had a successful career uh, as a journalist. Yeah, so it wasn't that I didn't like journalism anymore. I just wanted a new life and I certainly created that. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Uh, you know, I've, I've sort of heard a bit about your, your journey and I listened to... Mm. Um, some of the, the talks you've had around it. And uh, I know you, uh, I guess you were probably getting a little bit stale and a bit bored and a bit curious about what else was um, out there. How did, um, I suppose, getting out of journalism and more into the escort industry sort of evolve for you? Yeah, it's a pretty unusual step. And it's a step not many people have taken, becoming, a, you know, from a journalist to an escort. But I always knew it was there. I always knew I wanted something different and a bit more exciting and um, even my best friend uh, said to me, just way before I became Samantha, you're going to end up in the adult industry. Um, and, you know, I don't think it was any surprise to my close friends that I did. I just was so curious and so intrigued. And as a journalist, I really wanted to find the story of what it was like. And then I became the story. So, yeah, it was a sort of no-brainer for me. I knew it had to happen. Mm. So I made it happen. <laughs> and good on you for that. Like, like imagine, imagine how life would have been for you if you had have sort of stayed doing the same thing. And oh, look, I was, I was, you know, I was, I was living a very nice, normal life. Um, you know, I was with a man. I had two young children, very young children. We had a nice life. He was loyal and supportive and financially secure. And I just wasn't happy. There was something that was, I, I was, I wanted to break free. You know, and obviously I didn't break free from the kids. I'm still had children in my life, but I just wanted to break free from the normal, normal life. Mm, you know, my idea of agony was having a you know a dinner party with other couples or um, going for double dates with other couples. You know, I just found it really boring, and I just want. I, I you know, I suppose I never grew up. I, I found that really boring, and I wanted to do something wild and exciting. So. Mm. Do you, you know, I did. Well, good, good on you again. And, and just thinking back, like when you were a young person, were your parents like pretty controlling? And that was it something that you weren't able to do, possibly explore what you what you really loved? Yeah. Look, my parents uh, they're still alive, so I'm very careful what I say about them. But um, yeah, I wouldn't say my childhood was. It was. I was very privileged. You know, we had my my parents were. For very you know privileged people we lived in a great area of london we had everything we wanted but yeah there was something that i just wasn't happy with i, I just wasn't ever at peace with myself yeah. i never knew what i wanted in life um i left home very early i moved to australia um sort of to get away from 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 them mm -hmm. from my life in london and um yeah, and I just sort of became my own person and realised what I wanted to do in my life. And, you know, being a sex worker is not everyone's cup of tea, but the women who do do it always knew they were going to do it, mm. you know. And it's not because I've had a terribly traumatic childhood or anything like that. I was, you know, I went to a private school. I was very lucky, but I just... Normality never suited me. You know, that normal white picket fence life, it, it wasn't meant for me. Yes. Oh, well, 
again, you know, like good on you for being brave enough to make that change. And it's really interesting, mm. I, I suppose, when when you were younger, I suppose you were probably a bit of a party girl and, and all that, and that was yeah. probably your way for you to express your emotions, I guess. Yeah, look, I started drinking and taking drugs when I was very 15, 16 in London. Everyone seemed to be doing it. Um, you know, you round all the nightclubs in London, and look, it was great fun, but I also ended up with a bit of a problem in my late 30s. Um, but yeah, look, I, I had a great, you know, it was fun. I had a great fun childhood growing up in London. However, I needed to sort my shit out, and I needed to be responsible. And I think having children, um, I did that. But still, there was there was something missing in my life. So, so it was just a bit of a journey of self discovery. When you made the decision to uh, to, to to move into uh, escort and sex work, how yeah. did you go about it? Did you uh, did you have an establishment that you worked at, or did you go out privately yeah. yourself? Yeah. Well, I started working for an establishment, and then I um, became then I then I decided I was going to make more money, have more independence and started to work for myself and that's when i created the character samantha because she was she was a character mm, no. uh, she still is like she's still in my life so um yeah i left i left the establishment after about two years um not on good terms and it's the only job i've ever been sacked from to be honest <laughs> and um and then created this this character called Samantha and worked independently. And that's when I made the money. That's when I wrote my books. And, yeah, that's when it all changed, really. So for people listening, I never said an introduction, um, your, your, I suppose, working name was Samantha X. Is that right? That's right, yes. Yeah. Cool name. And, uh, uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> it was an accident, but thank you. <laughs> um, it's interesting. Uh, obviously, you know, a couple of years working in that environment – and then breaking out of it, did you find, and this is going to be a key part of this conversation as we go along, like a yeah. lot of guys that were coming to see you uh, at that establishment, were they there basically to to just be listened to and heard primarily rather than sex, do you think? Yes, and I think they didn't realise that at the time. Like they weren't, they weren't coming in saying, oh, hi, um, can I book an hour of just talking? Because... Of course, that's not what how what they thought they wanted, but that's how it always ended up. Mm. Um, and it's not about um, you know, of course, sex is sex is sex. It's always a part of not always, but it was a part of the uh, appointment. But it wasn't the prime. Then I, I started to work out very quickly that the sex industry wasn't about sex. Mm. Um, it was so much deeper than that. That's one of the reasons why I went public. Yes. That's one of the reasons why I felt no shame in going public because I thought people need to understand that men who see sex workers are not all rapists and abusers and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They're just normal men who have a need and the need necessarily isn't penetrative sex. The yeah. need is so much deeper than that. Yeah. And I wanted the world to know that, you know, rightly or wrongly, you know, that's come with challenges being public where we can talk about that. But I just thought men need a voice. Mm. Yes. Yep. And one of the reasons why I didn't become a sex worker earlier on in my life is because I didn't want to hate men. And um, I now love men more than ever because I feel I understand them. Yes. Um, and that's something I never really did. And actually, their needs are very simple. And I feel for men. I really, really feel for men because in my experience, and I can only talk about my experience, they have no out emotional outlet. Yeah. You know, they've got to be men, they've got to be strong, they've got to be breadwinners, they've got to be blah, 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 you know. 
women talk all the time to their friends. Men don't. Yes, 100%. It's interesting. Mm. Um, I've had a, like a, a long career sort of uh, managing guys uh, in the workplace mm. and, and, and everything in between. And I've seen, you know, the full spectrum of emotions with guys. And, mm. and But you're mm. right. Like when, when I was able to have conversations deeply from the heart like you were, then you saw uh, mm. something totally different. And that's, that's something yeah. that uh, I, like I try and focus on as much as possible because once you get to that space, we're all the same. Exactly. And it doesn't matter how powerful the man was or whether he cleaned toilets or whether he was, you know, a, a alcoholic or, or, you know, whatever, just come out of jail. All I realised that all men had the same needs. And when you take your clothes off, you're all on the same level, you know. So they didn't intimidate me. If anything, they were terrified. Yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're all on the same level. Um, and that's one thing I learned as well, that men are just as vulnerable as women, if not more so. Mm, I agree. It's, uh, it's interesting... Um, uh, I'll, I'll disclose this. When I was young, I, I went a couple of times. Um, like, but yeah. com- coming from the country, uh, when you go to Melbourne, it was you know pretty exciting. And I ended up uh, going to um, an establishment, uh, I think twice, and that's about it. But right. but really, I I I, I was you know certainly uh, quite quite stage. I had quite a bit of stage fright, and um, yeah. and, and really, it was the communication with the individual. It was just beautiful to actually yeah. have someone to hold you and and have a conversation uh, at that age uh, and lots yeah. of things were able to come out that probably couldn't come out with your mates or your family or anything like that or, or your girlfriend primarily because I didn't have one at the time but um, but certainly you, you would be worried about, uh, you know, ramifications of, uh, of judgment and those sorts of things, you know. So, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's silly that we, you know, everyone judges. You know, I'm guilty of it too. It's like, you know, I judge, you know, but I'm aware of it when I'm judging and I try and hold myself accountable and I have no right to judge anybody, even, you know, especially. But um, judgment is, I think it just means something's not right inside you. What does it trigger inside you? Yeah. You know, because if you don't really care about something that much, why does it bother you? Yes. Yep. Um, so, Yeah. Well, thank you for being honest. Most men I speak to, you know, they've never, you know, these podcasts I do, not one has, they all pretend they don't know what sex workers really are, what they do. And it's like, come on, you know, surely by law of averages, one of you has been to a sex worker, but it's all, oh, so what happened to the brothel? (laughs) What happened? You know, it's like, come on, guys. And, And none of them have actually said that they had. No, yeah. none. Yeah. So, thank you for being so honest. I I'm, you know, most men have. I, I thought it, I thought have. it was important because you know I like to try and be completely open and honest when when we do these yeah. podcasts because that's really the authenticity that we're 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 here for. We're not here to be performers. Yes. You know, at the end of the day, we want to yes. try and get valuable com- uh, content that can help people. And um, you know, yeah. I, I guess in in that. There's no um, shame in it. No, you did right, but that—that's the key. The key problem for men is we're worried about shame, and we get stuck yes. in shame and guilt and fear and all those, you know, negative emotions, yes, which uh, yes. are not great for us. But you yeah. know, you know, Amanda, like being vulnerable is a, is a is an important part of humans uh, or a man's, you know, functionality and physiology. I guess at the end of the day, and it's something that we need to train more and more. Uh, we yes. we don't we don't actually understand these spectrums of our emotions, and uh, we need to be able to embrace them as much as we possibly can. You know, for the average man out yes. there, you know, I guess yeah. you, you would have engaged with a lot of high profile people and and powerful people, but 
They wouldn't be able yeah. to have conversations with their wife or their friends like they did with you, do you think? Not at all. And, you know, it's, I think sometimes the more you know someone, the harder it is to talk to them. Yes. Um, you know, and I've said this before, but I used to hear things, I still do, that men you know, are always, always, that they say they haven't told anyone else this. And they don't know why they're telling me this, but blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, and I think once you give that, not necessarily safe place, but when you create a rapport, that's when I think people, men, feel they can be honest and open and vulnerable. You know, I don't have to, you know, what is a safe space? What does it really mean? I just think it, um, what I learned in my NLP course, which is neuro-linguistic programming, mm -hmm. is that the rapport is more important than safe. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's about me being able to adapt to different personalities and, making them laugh, you know, being self-deprecating a bit so they're not intimidated. And that's when they feel they can let their head down a bit. Not head down, but um, be truthful about certain things. And they don't need to be the big, strong man. They don't need to be Mr. Hero. They can just be themselves, you know. What were what were the common things that, that, that guys were disclosing to you? Um, oh, look, for the ones that are married, and not all of them were married... It was about their marriages, how they feel under pressure, how, um, you know, they feel that their wives um, have lost any interest in them. Um, or some would be crying, literally crying about the affairs their wives were having or have had. Mm. Or, you know, the abuse. They, I mean, I've had a couple of clients who tearfully told me, that they had been abused as a child and they were so ashamed and even their wives didn't know. Mm. And they hadn't told a single soul. And that is quite a lot for me, for one person to handle, to be privy to. You know, I'm not a trained psychologist. Um, but I feel like I should be. Yes. I feel like I'm almost, have more experience than a trained psychologist, you know. Yeah, um, yeah so I heard some very, very deep, dark things. I mean, there was a client I had who halfway through our appointment confessed he'd just come out of jail, jail for murder. Mm. Now, he wasn't scary. He wasn't threatening to me. He was nothing. You know, he was a, a really lovely man. And I truly believe that people make stupid mistakes. And he made a stupid mistake and paid the price. Mm. Um, so, you know, he's not going to waste his time spending thousands of dollars on a sex worker and then intimidate her and try and kill her. You know, that's just not... Mm. I never experienced that, although I know that people have. So, you know, I heard I heard things that men wouldn't tell anyone else. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, like a few things that sort of come to me then were obviously the the ability to be able to to open up, and, and that takes a lot of courage uh, for for a guy. Uh, you know, yeah. because it circles deep inside our cellular, cellular memory, um, you know, some of the stuff that's happened and a lot of that trauma that, uh, that happens, you know, in our childhood gets stuck there, whether that's through uh, an assault or that's through something verbal or uh, something that actually, you know, really, really, you know, sticks in our genes. And um, it's not good to be able to sort of keep that stuck there because that sort of leads you to masking it with drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Poor human emotions yeah. and behaviours. And um, 
Um, you know, that, that particular individual, when you said that uh, about, a, you know, a guy that had committed a com- criminal crime. Yeah. You know, yeah. first of all, good on you for not judging him and freaking out, actually like being compassionate to him because yeah. people make mistakes in their lives and, uh, and primarily, um, you know, we cannot, we cannot hold that judgment uh, forever. You know, I, I think guys need a chance to be able to move on and heal. And, um, and that's the big thing, you know, nine out of 10 guys in Australia need some form of healing and, and self work to be able to, you know, reach their full potential and not sort of get to the end of life and, um, and think that uh, it wasn't uh, fulfilled, you know, at the end of the day, we need to be able to be able to, to, to give, you know, men primarily the ability to be able to uh, express themselves, be uh, able to, to achieve what it is that they want to achieve. And I believe that every man and every woman working on this earth has got a gift and we're here for a reason. We're just going to learn what that yeah. is, you know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I truly believe that. And look, um, you know, who am I to judge what, what other people do or don't do in their lives? You know, I truly believe that most people are fundamentally good and, you know, you can fuck up and make mistakes. Mm. But it doesn't mean... I mean, he paid the price. He's been in, he was in jail for 10 years. Yes. Yeah. You know, and look, I, I mean, it's the same with my, my job as a, a sex worker. You know, I'm sure and I know that I'm judged terribly by people, what I do. Um, But I know I'm okay, you know, and I also know that everyone's a hypocrite. Now, I don't mean that everyone's going to go out and murder someone and it's going to be okay. You know, that man made a serious mistake in his life and some families are really suffering. Um, But, yeah, I have compassion for everyone. It doesn't, you know, whatever they do. What you what you've done, you've played a vital role in uh, in, in in men's healing. I, I believe primarily, you know, and whether we see that that industry is being taboo or whatever, I don't think it uh, is really right. You know, primarily like guys need that. Uh, that emotional connection, they need that physical touch sometimes, they need uh, the ability to be able to uh, communicate at a deeper level than what they they probably do with themselves because men primarily don't communicate well with themselves. We're talking about or talking to ourselves negatively consistently, you know, comparing ourselves, judging ourselves, criticizing ourselves, all those, you know, bad, bad things. But, but, you know, for us to be able to move out of that, we've got to be able to learn Can't to be vulnerable and then, and then move forward with that. Would you agree? Oh, I think shame is um, such a wasted well, use of your energy because, you know, I could feel a lot of shame about what I've done and becoming a public sex worker and the effect it's had on my family and, you know, it hasn't been all helping people, helping people, you know. Um, and I spent a lot of time in shame and guilt and remorse mm. But that only hurt me, you know, it's just, you have to heal from it and know that no one is perfect and we all make mistakes. Not that what I did, I feel was a mistake, but, um, yeah, I don't believe, I feel, I feel while it's easy to say, I think shame is such a waste. You know, life is so short and we and we're all we sometimes think that someone else is more is better than us or more sensible or, you know, doesn't make mistakes. We all do. So and we all feel you know, from talking to men from all different backgrounds and cultures and socioeconomic groups, um, they're all the same. You know, they all feel the same pretty much. So you're not alone. But it's interesting, isn't it? Like in in um, in the Western society that we're in, and uh, you know, your your homeland of England, uh, where I suppose a colonial sort of system was born. How like the, the 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 systems that we've been brought up in sort of gear us towards feeling shameful, guilty, 
unworthy, all those sorts of things. And that sort of stays with us, um, you know, throughout life unless we're able to be brave enough to move it on. Well, that's right, especially, uh, you know, religion as well. If you, if you do this, you're, you're a bad person, you'll mm. go to hell. You know, if you, if you, you know, you have to think like this, you have to act like this, you can't do this. These are the seven, de- ten sins or whatever, seven deadly sins, whatever there are. I'm sure I've broken most of them, <laughs> you know. Um, so I think, yeah, there's a lot of guilt and shame that comes with families and pressure and religion. And I think that's a bit outdated these days. Yeah, it know? is. I agree. That's right. And uh, that's been circling around for a few hundred years, you know, and um probably longer when you sort of go back through history, but primarily, mm. you know, I, as I mentioned before, I believe every one of us has got a real gift within ourselves. We just need to be mm. able to mm. find that, open it up, go go for it without sort of feeling, you know, shameful, guilty, whatever that actually is, and be able yeah. to, sort of, you know, go for it. And I think yeah. when you were at your best, you know, doing the work that you were doing, you were living in a in more of a sort of, I suppose, flow state where you're able to just do your, your role well and, um, and be able to live, you know, quite uh, proactively. And I know, you know, the rates that you used to charge were like sort of $1,500 an hour, so the money would have been, yeah. been, been, been pretty, yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Uh, did, did you find it hard to move away from that? Yes, yes. I mean, look, um, look, I was making great money and I was actually enjoying what I was doing. And, you know, I was addicted to men's stories mm. and, help, you know, helping men in some shape or form. And look, I was addicted to the thrill as well, mm. you know, and it's fun and it's different and sort of most women secretly wonder what it's like, you know. Um, but, yeah, and the money. I mean, look, I, I won't pretend the money wasn't great. It was fantastic. I felt like I was making $1,500 an hour for not much. Mm. You know, I was feeling guilty about it, thinking, oh, my God, why are these men paying me this money, you know? Mm. And I used to say to them as well that a therapist is a lot cheaper than me. Um, but they were like, why Why would I need to go and see a therapist? And I think to myself, well, you know, you're talking to me <laughs> yeah. as if I'm a therapist, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, look, it was, hard to, it was hard to give up. It is hard to give up. It would, be, it would be very easy for me to slip back into that Samantha role. But we evolve as we get older. I'm 48 now. I know it's, you know, time for a different life. Yes, yeah, that's right. Well, you've certainly... But it's tempting, I tell you. It, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't tempting to go back yeah. at times. You've gone through that, that phase, I guess. And it's interesting, um, you know, when you when you look at it and um, and I suppose the ability for you to be able to sort of, you know, go in and, and, and do a role like that, as I mentioned before, is, is so, um, you know, awesome uh, for, 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 for what you've done for men primarily. Now, Aww. I reckon you would have had uh, some, some fairly high-profile people paying that sort of money, or did you have, uh, like, a variety of people that were sort of scrambling to come up with that sort of money? Was it something that uh, you had uh, no problem asking for? Look, I had um, I had all sorts of men. There was no type. You know, I often get asked what the type was. There was no type. It was mm-hmm. just men, mm-hmm. you know, men in general, um, from all sorts of backgrounds and... Um, jobs some were high profile some weren't mm. um majority were just normal men and look i, I did if a man tried to negotiate me i wouldn't have any part of it but if i felt like i mean there was a couple of men that i felt really needed to talk and you know sometimes i would i would more than often just say look just give me a call mm. you know rather than book an appointment especially if i'd known them for a while it's just just give me a call we can have a chat and of course i'm not going to charge them for that Yes. Um, but yeah, look, you know, I think that as a, being a human comes first than being 
uh, a high profile sex worker. So yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and it wasn't about the money, even though the money was fantastic. You know, money is money is money. I spent it just as quickly as I earned it. Mm. I, I would I would love to say that I've got properties all over the world to show for it, but I don't. <laughs> I still have, you know, I still uh, get overdrawn and have credit cards like most people. But um, I think that if you think too much about like any business, if it's purely about the money, you'll stop enjoying it. For me, it was about helping men, listening to men, being there for men. And, of course, the money was just a plus. But there were men that I felt that generally were on the edge. Like I had a client that rang me up suicidal now, I'm not going to charge him, uh, you know, 500 bucks for a phone call, mm. you know, like I'm there for him as a friend. So, yes. yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, look, so, you know, Amanda, it's it's interesting, um, like throughout my, my journey sort of working with guys and that, as I mentioned before, like being able to, to listen to them empathetically and compassionately is, is really, really important and uh, you know what we do with the Outback Mind Foundation is we we hold men's circles, and uh, you know mm-hmm. those men's circles are an opportunity for guys to come along and uh, you know build capacity by by learning from others, but also um, you know being able to talk about what's going on in their life as well. And so, you know the the, mm-hmm. the the biggest hurdle, the biggest step is to be able to get there in the first place because people are so petrified about being judged uh, for going mm. into an environment like that, but. Primarily, you know, I've seen people's lives change through these things because once they've actually like removed that fear, uh, they're mm-hmm. able to, you know, get to that 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 place where you experience guys where they just become mm-hmm. completely open and honest about, you know, what's going on within themselves. And even mm-hmm. when they're they're doing okay, it doesn't matter. They can still come along and uh, and use their own lived experience to be able to support not only themselves but others as well. And I think that's really, really powerful. And I just think we've been disempowered as men a lot. You know, Mm -hmm. we've Mm -hmm. had to look outside ourselves consistently, um, you know, for for guidance and support. But I think if you can go to uh, something which can help you, you know, learn a little bit about yourself primarily through Mm -hmm. what others have been through too but also to be able to, like, self-discover within yourself some of the emotional... um, a regulation you've had and be able to correct that that gives you the ability to be able to be empowered and start to move forward mm, and mm, i just mm. think you know we're, we're, we've really got a, a lot of work to do to be able to help you know straighten up uh, the way we, we we live life because we've certainly had a mm-hmm. lot of um you know confusion go on in our lives over the last you know few decades would you agree yeah, I do. And, you know, I like to think that men would, would get support before they needed it, mm. you know. So, uh, you know, the more support men get um, before things go wrong and before it all goes tits up. Sorry, I swear, I'm, I'm <laughs> English. Right. This is what we do. <laughs> um, you know, and it's like with my recovery group because I'm in um, a 12-step program. Mm. Um, we do, I do meetings. So I, I'm trying to pick up the meetings because I don't want to relapse. I don't want to feel shit and I don't want to go back to day one. So I pick up the meetings before it all turns to shit. Yeah. So for men, I'd like to see them reach out before they really are desperate you know, so they have that support to prevent it. Yes. Yep. You know, so yep. that would be really good if more men just knew there was support out there, and they don't need to work, and to put their, to leave their egos at the door. Yeah, you're right. That's you it. Know, leave leave their egos at the door. And, and that that's the hardest thing. My God, you know, like I know when I first went to one of these uh, in Tasmania, like I felt like really disconnected uh, within my marriage and and all the sorts of mm. things because it was all hard work, and then. 
when you get mm, home, you're mm. not getting that sort of um, you know ability to c- confide. And if you can go go to something and be able to sort of express that, I think it's really important. And um, yeah, um, you know what? Like marriage counselling in itself is a is a real trap because you're outnumbered. Either you go there and it's a woman, yeah. and you got you, you, you got you got two women. And, yeah, uh, and, and yeah, I've been there, done it. You know, like I've yeah. never been married, but I have been to couples therapy, and they're like, try this, try this, try mm. this, and in the end, I got I said, I'm really sick of trying. You yes. know, I just I, I want out. Yeah. Um. And also, one, the one thing that they said, which really changed my view, um, I said, oh, you know, I don't, I, maybe, you know, I, I was really trying, we were both really trying to make it work. And I was like, well, you know, people say the grass isn't greener. And the, and the therapist said, well, mate, sometimes it is greener. Mm. And I thought, oh, that really stuck in my head. Yeah. And for me, it was greener, um, you know. And, yeah, I think a therapy is a, a double-edged sword sometimes. Yes. because. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And I also, also, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, uh-huh. but I find that some men aren't even honest in therapy, you yes. know, so they feel, you know, especially if they've had affairs or they've seen sex workers, they're not going to admit that to a, or a few I've heard don't admit that to a therapist when their wife's sitting there, you yes. know, so if you're not honest in therapy, then you're not going to be honest anywhere. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, but it's very hard when you're... You know, you're going as a man and you've got a female counsellor and your wife as well, a little partner. And, you know, there's, there's a beautiful couple up here by the name of Michael and Amy Stuth, and they do couples coaching, counselling. So he works with the yeah. man, he works with the man, she works with the lady, and then they'll be able to figure things out together. And they come together and they start to look at it all and then start to map it out. And, and the success rate for something like that is, is really, really, um, you know, extraordinary and powerful. And I just think yeah. that's a missing link in itself to be able to, you know, have that collaboration. Um, and, yes. and that's something that I think can be probably, um, you know, uh, brought into more people's lives in the future because that sort of... Uh, uh, I suppose ability to be able to you know to, to talk to someone at a certain level when a man can talk to another man you know uh, confidently and op- openly and honestly I think that can really start to help them figure themselves out and then potentially their relationship mm. could be saved as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so that's a yeah. that's a black cockatoo you can hear in the background. But, uh, but, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, relationships? And um, it's not one size fits all. And, you know, we come into oh, life no. and we, we just sort of think we've got it right. But I always say, you know, we've got to love ourselves before we can love someone else. And uh, we're always looking outside ourselves for, for something. But if we can actually yeah. get, get this harmony back within ourselves again, then we can start to figure ourselves out. And then that helps, that helps a relationship uh, to be more sustainable. Would you agree? Yeah, look, yes, I would agree. And also, you don't have to have it all perfect before you are ready for a relationship either. Mm. You know, loving yourself is a day-to-day thing. It's not, okay, now I love myself, that's it, the work's done. It's, you know, some days I love myself, some days I absolutely hate myself. Yes, yeah. You know, but um, as long as you're getting support, I mean, I need support. Everyone, you know, people think I've got it all, I'm confident, I'm this, I'm that, the other. I, you know, days I <clears throat> don't even leave the house, I'm struggling, I'm suicidal, I, you know, I struggle with those things too. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a day by day, sometimes minute by minute uh, struggle. Mm. But I have support, I have a support team, I have a psychologist, I have 
a coach, uh, you know, probably men won't be most, a lot of men won't be open to this, but I have a spiritual healer, which is, she's amazing. Um, and I exercise and I eat well. And if I don't do those things, I know my life will turn to shit. If I start drinking again, my life will slowly unravel. So it's not just, okay, I've sorted my life out. Now I can meet someone. It's like, I am sorting my shit out, uh, and I'm in a better place to meet somebody um but you don't have to be perfect to meet someone you know we're all as the saying says perfectly imperfect yes yep agreed that's right and be open about that too and it's interesting yeah. I, know, I know you you said you you had like a diagnosis um uh recently uh which mm-hmm. which has probably been able you've been able to embrace that because it's given you sort of like some i suppose uh, ability to understand um where where you're at is is that right that's right. I was diagnosed by three psychologists, well, one <laughs> psychologist and one psychiatrist and two psychologists, because yeah. I thought there's no way they got this wrong. <laughs> yeah. um, I was diagnosed with bipolar two, um, but that to me has been a double-edged sword being diagnosed. I was really relieved because there was a name for what I felt was my madness. Yeah. Um, but it also is a great excuse now. Like, oh, I've got bipolar. You know, I do those things. Oh, yeah, I was like that 10 years ago because I had undiagnosed bipolar. And it's sort of, for me, anyway, I sort of took less responsibility for it. And oh, well, if I do mad, any mad things now, I've got something, I can, I've just got, I've got an excuse. Whereas, you know, now I'm on medication and I'm work. you know, I've got the support team and da 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 um, I don't want to be defined by my bipolar you know, it's not just who I am. It's just something I have sometimes. Yes. You know, that's that's what I feel. I don't want to be defined by it. And I think it's very easy to be defined by your diagnosis when really it's just part of me. It's not all of me. It's just a little part of me yes. that's under control. Yeah, that's right. And, and that's that's key. You know, you're controlling it rather than it control, <laughs> controlling you, you know. And, um, yeah, that's right. Probably previously it might have controlled you, but you're unconscious of that. That's right. And now I know I'm aware um, but I, I, I've seen people close to me, you know, who have been diagnosed with something and then sort of use that as a bit of an excuse for their behaviour. Um, and sometimes I think, well, what if I never found out I was bipolar? What would I just sort of, what would I have done then, you know? Um, I am grateful I was diagnosed. I am grateful that I'm aware, but I'm very also astutely aware I don't use it as an excuse. Yes, yeah, agree. And, and good on you for that. And. You know, good on you for being brave enough to be curious to, to think, well, maybe I need to go and uh, get some professional guidance which can help me figure this out. Um, yeah. I think that's really key. I, I know people um, that have probably gone through their whole life with, with these sort of behaviours that have never been diagnosed. And, you know, a relative of mine um, that's, that's passed away in the last few years, um, you know, she, she, I would say, most definitely would have had um, bipolar but was never was never able to, uh, I guess, um, you know, have that um, that certainty or that clarity given to her. And, um, uh, you know, people around her really, um, you know, suffered because of the behavioural change and uh, the ups and downs of it all and those sorts of things, you know. But, um, mm. but I think where we're starting to be more open and honest as humans now about, you know, what might be... Uh, might, might be um, out of balance and, you know, being able to sort of, you know, correct that uh, I think is, is really, uh, really key. So, you know, it is a, it is a, a common thing and, um, you know, good on you again for being able to sort of go and explore that and be able to proactively take your life, um, you know, in, into, into your own control and be able to work with it, I, I guess, rather than sort of being un, unaware of it for sure. 
Thank you. Yeah, and I think that, you know, what I was told by my psychiatrist, who's the founder of Black Dog Institute, yeah. uh, Professor Gordon Parker, that a lot of people go undiagnosed, misdiagnosed, and the suicide rate is massive yes. for people with bipolar. It's the most, um, uh, you know, it's the, it's, it's the most, it's the mental illness that has the most, mental condition that has the most, it's the highest suicide rate because people come off their medication. Uh, or they're not diagnosed and they self-medicate through drugs and alcohol and what have you, you know. So, mm. yeah, it's important to get a diagnosis, I think. Yeah, agree. Well said. Yes, um, Amanda, I, I keep going to call you Sam. <laughs> you can call me whatever you want. Lots of people yeah. still call me yeah. Samantha, yeah. and I just, I, I, I smile. Just so don't worry about they're, it. They're both, both good names. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, tell me, uh, I'd like to know if people listening, where can they actually get hold of your books and, and get some more information about, uh, you know, what you've done and what you're doing and what you're sort of hoping to do in the future? Sure. Well, I've got a website, Amanda Goff, that's G-O-F-F.com.au. Mm-hmm. Um, they can buy my books online anywhere, really, or they can just find me through my website and I can send them some. Um, Amanda Goff official is my Instagram account and my Twitter account. I love, I love Twitter (laughs) is Amanda underscore Goff. That's G O W F. So what are the books called? The books are called, the first one is called hooked and the second one is called back on top. And there are, it's about a journey of how a very well to do, uh, South London journalist mum, um, became, Australia's most notorious escort. Mm. Um, so I just documented what happened and some funny stuff. And a lot of, actually, and a lot of stories for men. So, you know, it's a bit saucy and detailed, but um, it, there's some real honest emotional stuff from my clients and everything's true. I've obviously changed the names to protect the guilty, ha-ha. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's, <laughs> it, all, it all happened. And, you know, I'm still very good friends with most of my clients, all my clients, actually. Yeah, amazing. I'll have to have a read because certainly, um, uh, yeah, there's, there's there's lots of um, lots of wisdom. I reckon that'll come from from some of those encounters and conversations and relationships you've been able to form over the years. I reckon so. Um, yeah, so I'll send you a couple in the post. I'd be, be more than happy. I've I've got I've got a actually no. I'll put them to the top of the list. I've got a few books I've got to read, but I'll, I'll definitely put them to yeah. the top of the list because I think they'll be <laughs> they'll be very uh, very uh, important and, and welcome for, for the work that you've done and the work that we're doing. Uh-huh. I think here, you know. So um, really uh, grateful for the chat. I know you're busy. Thank and, you. Um, yeah. Oh, just one other thing, Aaron. If anyone's, uh, I offer coaching as well. Like I've done an NLP course, which is fam. Fantastic, life-changing neuro-linguistic programming mm. and um, I've done that twice and also my experience as an escort so I do offer one-to-one coaching and they can find those details on my website amandagoff.com.au I never knew that well that's that, that's yeah excellent. there you go and, and and do you find your ratio of males and females are, are the same or is there one more dominant than the other um it's mostly women at the moment who want to get into sex work um and you know i warn them about the the the, the cons as well as the pros but um i I have coached a lot of men as well um you know all from all over the world so Mm, amazing yeah. Good on you yeah. for getting into Clothes that. on. Clothes on, coach. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Clothes on. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I'll tell you what. Thank like, you. Like, look at your journey, like, you know, from, from, from a young girl in London and uh, 
you know, moving through journalism and the mainstream stuff and going through what you've been through to where you are now, you really need to be proud of yourself. And, um, you know, oh, thank you. I, I reckon the best yet to come. Like, I, I think you're still trying to figure oh, it out. Oh, thank you. That's so yeah. kind of you. Yeah. But I reckon you're, you're still trying to figure it out, but I reckon you, you, you're almost honing in on, on, on what it is, you know, you, you're able to do more of in the future. I think that's really important. And, uh now, empowering men, I think, is one of them. You've got such a gift to be able to uh, help more guys out there um, through, you know, what you've uh, experienced and so forth. And uh, you've seen, um, you know, some, some unbelievable behaviours um, and, and men's emotions through the work that you've done. And I just think that needs to be explored and, um, and discussed more and more because I think moving into, uh, into the new year, into this, this is recorded before the end of... Uh, 2022 so moving into 2023 is going to be a real opening for for guys to be able to you know build this capacity so we can you know start to to be more of ourselves and improve our mental health primarily but also support yeah. one another to um to live life more functionally and i think you've got a great role and uh, and that to play in that so um yeah oh, thank you and that's very kind of you to say so you know i don't have the diplomas and the, and the degrees in psychology but i have heard many 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 stories from men and i think you don't have to i don't give advice i just am there for them so yeah oh, that's means that, the world to me that lived experience is is so important and so powerful you know mm. if you've gone and studied and you haven't actually had that lived experience i think it puts you way behind the eight ball but if you've yeah. been through all that you can you can really uh, look at uh, at the educational model around psychology and be able to offer some guidance and advice through what you've actually experienced yourself. And I just think yeah. that needs to be explored because this the, the textbook stuff quite often isn't uh, isn't primarily um, you know the way to go in some cases. You know, and, and having yeah. the ability for a guy to be able to hear themselves in someone else is really important. You know, yeah, uh, and yeah, yeah. For for the ability for a woman to be able to hear herself in you is also really important. So there's lots of people out there that are maybe thinking about making a career change and all those sorts of things or transitioning into something. You know, there's so much that you can do to be able to help them with that, whether that's into yeah. the sport industry or into a new industry because you you've taken the leap uh you know and taking that leap is a huge thing and that that's one of the scariest things we can do as humans you know we can sit still and and play the um the game in the same old same old for the money and all that type of stuff but if you're able to to make that next step into something that you really want to do uh, to find that fulfillment and you know you had that itch that was never uh, uncovered until you actually made that leap and you know, how much better is your life uh, because you've done that? And you really, as I said, you've got to be proud of yourself for, for making that step. And I just think you're on, you. on the start of going to the next one. You know, so watch this space. I reckon thank there's some pretty... Uh, oh, thanks. That's really sweet. Awesome sweet. things coming. So good work. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, I'll leave you with it. And thank you uh, for, uh, for your time and everyone for listening in. And uh, Amanda Goff, um, really encourage people to jump on your website, grab your books and, uh, and learn a little bit more about you and, uh, and um, you know, where you've been and where you're going in the future. So thank you. Thanks, Sam.